Next Chapter Podcasts. Hey, everybody. You're probably wondering, where's Bridget Todd and who is this guy talking to me right now? Well, the person talking to you right now is not Bridget Todd, obviously. My name is Pete Musto, and I am the showrunner of Beef, the podcast with Bridget Todd. And today, we're doing a little bit of extra bonus content for season one that's a little different than what we've done so far. Previously, we've done some extended interviews with the guests we've had in a few of our episodes. But this time, we thought it would be a fun idea to get the writing team together behind the show to sit down and talk about how we put this whole thing together and, you know, kind of what makes it an interesting show and hopefully dive into some of the things that you guys like about it. So sitting down with me today are the writing team. They are Ben Austin DeCampo. Hello. And credit in the show, James Levine, but a, a man that Ben and I refer to lovingly as Sam. Hey, everybody. How you doing? So a little backstory on the three of us. Ben, Sam, and I have known each other for over 20 years now. We went to high school together. Ben and I actually went to middle school together. We met on an ill-fated trip to New York City once that ended in some food poisoning. I will spare you the gory details of. But the three of us have always been big fans of media, of books, films, comics, and we've always shared that love with each other of writing and of enjoying good stories, which is at the heart of this podcast. So to get to how the three of us came together... Let me just say that about a year, year and a half ago, in 2022, um, my boss at Next Chapter Podcast, the executive producer of Beef, Jeremiah Tittle, the show's creator, came to me and said, I have an idea for a show that I can't stop talking about, and I want you to take it and run with it. And originally, that show title was going to be Rivals, and it was a as the show is now, a show about historic rivalries, historical rivalries, interesting feuds between figures in the past, whether it's recent past or distant past. And anyway, you know, he kind of gave me free reign to do what I wanted with the show. And so the first thing that I did once Jeremiah let me off my leash was contact these two. And so from your guys' perspective... How do you think things went from there? Um, well, it's funny. When you called me, I distinctly remember telling you it was weird, but I had been coming up with a similar idea in my head that I actually don't even remember exactly what the details of it were at this point. But I remember telling you that's so weird because I was going to reach out to you about doing a, a scripted history podcast. Um, I went to film school, but I'm also my big my two biggest passions in life um, are movies and history. And I really wanted to do something sort of in the vein of like hardcore history. Um, but I remember I wanted it to be scripted, just like entirely written. So when you reached out to me, I was super excited because, you know, because you work for Next Chapter Podcast, and at the time I didn't, I knew that we'd be able to do something, you know, probably better than what I'd be able to do on my own. Um, so yeah, it was, you know, it was kind of a kismet in that kind of way where you reached out to me with an idea I was planning on pitching to you, basically. Yeah, and Ben? I was sort of involved in the Next Chapter orbit. I was working on some other projects and shows in a writing capacity and a sort of research capacity. Um, so I don't have a, as strong a memory as Sam does about the moment you asked me if I would want to come on for this, but it immediately sounded like a really 
interesting project. And what excited me most from the beginning was a chance to like really um, uh, kind of go, you know, stretch a little more in terms of writing for podcasting. Uh, and we had a, a carte blanche basically in terms of what we could try to do. So those two things were the most exciting parts. And I was excited to think about stories um, to try to put uh, together in this format that would make, make entertainment um, for, for others, hopefully. Yeah. And, and as Sam mentioned, the, the scripting, uh, that was a big thing for me. I, you know, chat shows are fine. I, I listen to some, I'm not a huge fan of, of most of them that I come across, but I, you know, the idea of just getting to write a story that then I would do sound design and music selection for was really appealing. And that's kind of what we got into. So we, we started meeting uh, semi-regularly and started picking out ideas for what these stories would be. And we, the, the first one that I thought of was one we may, may still do if we get to do another season in the future uh, was a mob war back in the you know early 20th century called the Costamalaresi's War. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but that's why we give all the hard words to Bridget to pronounce. I uh, I love always having to like figure out what these words are supposed to sound like for her to say and then being like, good luck. <laughs> but yeah, so it was really like, what would you guys say were the things that we were looking for when we first started to dig into this? That when we were like, nah, not that one, but yes, this one. I think we were looking for um, stuff that people hadn't necessarily heard right out the gate. And that was sort of a big one. Uh, and then I think also ones that were like interesting uh, and specific details were available that were also unique. Well, I remember that Jeremiah, the owner of Next Chapter, specifically wanted us to look for rivalries that propelled, you know, industries forward, um, something propelling something forward, which to a large degree, I understand, because I'm sure there have been, you know, millions of fantastic rivalries between neighbors, you know, that didn't uh, propel anything forward, you know. Um, so, you know, the rivalry would have to be something historic in nature, although I will say, you know, there's plenty of rivalries throughout history of notable people that don't drive anything forward and if anything drive things into the ground, you know, <laughs> um, which is, you know, and I, and I think that, you know, initially Jeremiah's idea was sort of industry based, almost business based, you know? Um, and then we, we broadened it um, because I think a lot of times, you know, pettiness is not just born out of the desire to win at a, you know, in an industrial competition and it would open up uh quite frankly, um, not only more rivalries, but um, more time periods as well, um, which I, you know, we did a lot of stuff um, for the first season in the 20th century. But like you said, Pete, um, if we get to go another season, I definitely plan on going backwards because, you know, as I said a few minutes ago, I'm, I'm a history nut. Um, so I want to start going into some historical figures that were born into power and had rivalries with other people, but nothing was driven forward and probably multitudes of people were hurt. I mean, that's like, that's what stuck out to me when we were looking for these, these stories to dig into were like, I was definitely looking for like, let's get the pettiness, the sleaze, the real, like, yes, you know, does uh penthouse and playboys rivalry, 
push forward the narrative about free speech and also the the publishing industry and and pornography but also it's just like a filthy little grimy world that i was eager to dive into and that's what i also love seeing in all the itunes comments of of people who've uh you know rated and reviewed the show is people like love the pettiness and that's like i think the number one thing is like what what makes this like hot goss essentially from like maybe 10, 20, 200 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. This show is not something for people to aspire to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're not trying to inspire people to greatness with this thing. Or, or it's not necessarily um, a kudos to the people who were calling out on the show that like, Oh good. You, you made it to beef. Like this is, that's a good thing for your career. Yeah. I will say, I think, Maybe Captain Morgan. I think of any of the characters we covered in this season, I think maybe Captain Morgan comes off the best, possibly the most noble and inspirational. Yeah, I mean, that has something to do with the commentary from the guests also. But, you know, Ben did a good job of pointing out that he was also a slave-owning potential rapist. So... Um, you know, yeah, like, that's true. We've all got our thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. But he still fought, he still fought you know, the government. Right. <laughs> And, uh, you know, what what solid historical figure isn't maybe one of those things? He was a pirate. Yes, that's (laughs) true. Let's just be clear. He was a pirate. I was going to say, though, back to the point about what we were kind of looking for in the beginning and how it evolved. I think something that you just that just came out in this conversation that clearly evolved was we were we became less concerned with did it change something? And and we became more interested in like, well, is it an interesting story? And I, I guess I'm thinking about um, the Jean-Claude Van Damme and the Steven Seagal one, which I'm not sure much changed because of their their rivalry, but it was a kind of hilarious petty fight between two grown-ass men who claim to be like world-renowned fighters and probably aren't, but like uh, that made an interesting topic. Right. It was also probably the story of the two people in any episode who thought of themselves the most highly and were probably the lowest of anybody in the series. Yeah. I was also going to say, Ben, uh, one, one thing did change in that story. Steven Seagal got real fat. <laughs> he got a lot fatter throughout over the course of that story. Yes. Well, to be fair, his martial arts style doesn't exactly um, encourage like lots of physical movement. He just stands still while other people come at him and then he just sort of throws them away. Yeah. You know, it's not a lot of cardio involved. I will say, though, in the time period that I was editing, because I also did all the, the sound design for the show, in the time that I was editing that episode, I was deep in the throes of COVID, trapped in my basement away from my wife and kids. So I did watch Time Cop and Under Siege because I had never seen them before. And um, Under Siege, not a bad action movie. Time Cop really sucks. Do not watch that movie. It sucks. Um the action isn't even that compelling. It's it's kind of sad and boring, uh, which I actually like JCVD more than Seagal. But anyway, so, you know, I think that what really helped, though, was finding people to speak to this stuff. Because there's, you know, we may be history nuts, but they're, we're not experts in any way, shape or form. Right. So I think getting interesting people to speak to this was a, a really fun thing, too, to like hear people articulate, not even just like repeat what we had already thought, but just, 
you know, kind of help articulate what we were trying to say about these people. And certainly lend us some credibility. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, like Dan Savage is an award-winning nationally syndicated advice columnist. And, um, you know, it, like there's there some fun people to talk to. Do you guys feel like, did you have a, a person that you liked the best to hear from out of all the episodes? Well, for me, it had to be, um, you know, the two people in the wrestling episode. Um, because, so the guy um, who did a lot of the interviews in the Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels episode, he's right up the alley of everything I expected you to find in a wrestling expert. You know, I'm I'm a huge wrestling fan. That That episode was like, 35 years of like me wanting to tell the world why wrestling is interesting. So I knew these guys, I I know wrestling fans, but what was so fascinating was the woman you found was so unlike any wrestling fan I've ever encountered in my life. And not just because she's a woman, there's actually plenty of female wrestling fans. Um, But because of how academic she was about it and a lot of her, um, a lot of her views, I were so poignant and spot on, but nothing I had ever heard before from anybody, um, the way that she described things. So, you know, for me, those two people, um, specifically her, they they provided such a nice contrast to each other. And I think if it had been two versions of him, it would have been like a lot of other, um, there's tons of wrestling podcasts out there. And it would have been a lot like those other wrestling podcasts. But when you put the two of them together, it provided an awesome contrast. Yeah. I mean... That she also like we're I don't know how I found her or, or or several of these people to be honest just like you know intense googling but she w- is a professor at a university in New Zealand right and somehow <laughs> decided to like make time for us New Zealand hotbed of professional wrestling yeah she also um you know I think her actual background is like theater and dance but that was like her whole perspective like wrestling is an art form and like it's beautiful to see ginormous men flying through the air which is cool um yeah i mean i I, in terms of like moments though i think finding out for me personally like finding out more about people that i thought i knew about was probably like the most rewarding thing for me i think like i i wrote the penthouse versus playboy episode and I had always had an idea that uh, Hugh Hefner was a scumbag, but like maybe kind of just like a, you know, surface level, grubby handed douchebag and and maybe not more than that. But obviously, you know, there's all this stuff coming out about him in like those the documentaries that have come out recently in the last like couple of years, proving how much of a scumbag he was. But there's like certain things that I, I had to cut out for length out of that story that also just like thematically didn't really fit that were just really reinforcing how much he sucked. Like for example, in, I think it was early days for him, like sixties, he actually got busted for publishing a naked photo of a 16 year old girl. And the only reason that he got away with it and did not go to jail was because he had the mother's permission which is, yeah, a cra- like, I mean, you hear all that shit like, oh, it was another time type of stuff, but like, what the fuck was going on there? And um, also, like, she, the mother then, like, later tried to, like, re- 
recall her permission, which seemed like you, ah, uh, lady, you you opened this this you Pandora's box. You took the box. money. Yeah, you took the money. Like, anyway, were there any particular moments for you guys in the story, either that you wrote or that you had to leave out that you really enjoyed? I just enjoyed mostly kind of I, you know, I, I had some preconceived notions about certain people as well. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, James Brown's uh, long career of, of um, tomfoolery, more than tomfoolery, bad acting is well known, you know. And uh, I, when I, I first came across that story and it was sort of like a, that, would, that one to me screamed uh, uh, an episode for this for pod, for this podcast because it checked all the boxes. It was like a Joe Tex and him are both known quantities. It seemed like it made sense, um, but um, I I enjoyed getting to know more about his career in other ways, like like trying to tell that story and also learning about this particular incident was uh, in detail was illuminating. Um, and uh, you know, it's just. Uh, it was just a uh, a tough road to get through. I mean, I guess uh, it's a testament to his music being so good that I'm still a fan of his. I guess considering all the stuff he was up to, he's kind of kind of like Chris Brown these days. I mean, if you sort of a modern analog there. For me, it was a bit the opposite actually. Um, when I when I thought about doing the Puma vs. Adidas episode, I knew very little about that story going in. I knew about these two German brothers who founded each company, lived in the same German town, and hated each other. And my initial take on just that small bit of, a bit of information was the movie Step Brothers. I just kept thinking about the movie Step Brothers and how I could tell this hilarious romp about these two German brothers who founded two rival shoe companies. And then when I started doing the research for it, specifically reading this book called Sneaker Wars... I realized there was so much information, so much um, history behind this that went over multiple generations that it, it didn't become necessarily a story of what to leave out, but what to put in. How do I take so much data, business information, names, times, places um, over a much lengthier story than I anticipated and fit it into one story? Um, I never intended to write a story about the sons who inherited Puma and Adidas. But what I didn't realize going into the whole thing was that it was going to be the sons who actually were more influential than their fathers and shaped sports marketing as it's known today. I had no idea about any of this going in. I just wanted to tell this personal silly rivalry between these two men. And part of the reason, you know, I actually wrote the wrestling episode in between these two episodes. And part of the reason I did that was when I went into writing the first episode, I realized that the angle I had, the take I had in my mind about writing this was wrong. The tone wasn't going to fit. So when I finished the first episode, I realized I needed a break um, from this story to actually think about the tone that I was going to write for the second part, which I knew I had to write about the sons and their taking over the business. So I wrote the wrestling episode in between, which, like I said before, I knew almost entirely by heart. Um, it's the most famous um, backstage story in the history of wrestling, and that one really just poured out of me. I didn't have to think about what to leave out or anything. I mean, it was just like such an easy write for me. And 
really the reason I wrote that story wasn't even about the rivalry itself. I just wanted to basically tell the world how interesting professional wrestling is, like why it's an interesting form of entertainment. But by the time I was done with that episode, I felt refreshed. And then I had a take for the second episode of the Puma story, which really helped me in the writing, which, um, which I didn't have to like go back on because of the first episode. And it was essentially to write it from the son horse perspective, which was, I framed him kind of as, as the loser son, um, quite frankly, because, um, oh, sorry, not Horst, Armin, Armin, excuse me. Armin was the loser son. And the reason I didn't write from horse perspective is that Armin was the son who saw, um, you know, another person doing better than him, succeeding more than him, being a natural talent. And I know I don't personally feel like a natural talent who's succeeding at everything, but I can point out to people I know who I feel are doing a better job and, you know, succeeding more than I am that I want to beat in some sort of way or live up to something. So it was very easy for me writing that second episode to take that angle, to find that take, know it was a true take because I'd already done the research to inform it. Um, so yeah, for me with that Poom episode, it wasn't about leaving anything out. It was really deciding what to put in, how to form that narrative with so much historical information. Yeah, I mean the the thing I, I you know I, I know you were had some trepidation about getting it done initially when you like as you mentioned with uh, taking a break with the other story halfway through, but by the time when you first pitched us the story, because that's how we we did all these initially is that we we sat down with each other and pitched the story short form and then we gave each other feedback on how to how to move things forward and i remember you pitching the suns and something that intrigued me so much was something that i tried to convey with like the sound design of like how truly sad that story is like the first the first half is kind of funny but the second half is just like super sad even though the first half is about like you know World War Two and and you know a, a dude almost going or going literally going through hell in 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 that um and the reason I I find it so compelling is kind of probably why people love that show Succession which Sam and I are both fans of I don't know if Ben you've been watching it but there was a line in the most recent episode Kendall Roy says to his sister Shaban you know he's talking about whether or not he is a a good person and maybe a bad good or bad parent he says maybe the poison drips through and he's talking about the poison his father fed to him through treating him horribly his whole life is that now informing how he treats his son and that's you know the through line with with the the dossler brothers and dossler sons is that like their fathers created this inescapable situation for the two sons and um yeah i mean as much as we were going for humor in this show, like there are some truly dark moments, which, you know, I, I enjoyed. Yeah, it proves an old maxim, which is, you know, don't try to make Nazis funny. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I guess then, you know, looking forward, we're talking about having ideas for future episodes. You know, what what would you guys, you know, if we had the opportunity to do season two, I know, Sam, you said you've had some ideas for what you'd like to do, what would be the story that you're like, I got it. We got to do this one. Yeah. So the story I really have in mind, so it's okay that I might, am I pitching the room right now? You're, you're pitching the world, baby. The world is listening. So for me, the big one, and it's not necessarily a rivalry. Nobody's heard of, although, you know, it's famous in history, but maybe not pop culture is the rivalry between Mark Antony and Octavian that settled 
the fate of half the world for centuries to come, for almost a thousand years. And the idea basically is you have this guy, I mean, imagine you're like a 40-year-old man, and you are the second in, in charge of a multinational conglomerate company, right? Just, just imagine, you are the number two guy in one of the biggest corporations in the world, and the number one guy He's your parent figure, right? He's your father figure. He found you in the mailroom. You were working in the mailroom. You don't even have a college education. You just walked in this company. You've got a ton of moxie. You're driven. And one day, the founder and owner of the company, he finds you in the mailroom. You strike up a rapport, and he sees something special in you, something that he saw in himself a long time ago, and he promotes you through the ranks all the way up to being his number two. And then one day he just dies, right? He just dies. Um, in this case, we'll, we'll say not assassinated for the sake <laughs> of this metaphor. Um, he just dies and he's got no sons. So at the will reading, you just assume that his shares of the company are going to you, but you kind of look over in the corner and you see this kid. He's like 20 years old, tight fitting suit, well tailored glasses. He looks like every other, you know, sort of Harvard boy corporate type that you're used to seeing. And when the will is read, it turns out that all of the founder and CEO's shares are all going to that guy, this little twerp, right? Because that guy is not his son. It's not even his nephew. It's his great nephew. And you're going to be damned if you're just going to let this kid who's done nothing to earn any of this take this massive enterprise, right? Mm -hmm. That is the story of Octavian and Mark Antony. I mean, Octavian, who, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to give away history. I don't know how do you, you know, spoil the ending of something that happened 2,000 years ago. Um, <laughs> but that really is the story of these two guys. And instead of a multinational, you know, Amazon-type corporation, it was half the world, although you could say with Amazon, it's really the same thing. But these two guys and, and their personal feud with each other then went super personal. It included marriages to each other's family members and all sorts of stuff, um, you know, the few that happened between these two men affected the lives of millions and millions and millions of human beings in perpetuity for about a thousand years. So yeah, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ben? What, what, what is uh, tickling you, your fancy? I don't have um, one in particular like that. that I've been, mm, that's the one I really want to tackle next. But I, I, what I want to do more of um, are a couple are. T- Things I learned along the way in this one. One was you, Pete, pitched me that I should write the Captain Morgan episode. I was not that enthused about it at the time. I ended up liking it. I'm glad that it sounded like people that it came across well. And I think it's a, hopefully a good sign that like I was able to like kind of take information I had to learn quickly and synthesize it in a way that made sense. Um, and it was rounded out by, um, I think, one or two experts that were able to get onto that one. But um, uh I would like to find more niche stories like that. So I I wouldn't mind going back either like Sam is planning to do. Although I'm kind of hoping maybe we can talk more about another um, like either Hollywood or entertainment story, but one of with greater um, weight to it than maybe Seagal and um, Van Damme, you know, one that like, you know, I'm talking like, uh, like directors like who hate each other or like Hollywood, just there's so many, you know what I mean? And, and, and music is the same way. So I feel like that could be great. I'd also love to do one about like writers who hate each other, but so stuff like that could be really fun. Um, so I, I'm just, I'm keeping it open. I, and I'm trying to like be like open to like, yeah, maybe, maybe just make me the vessel. Maybe it's not important that I 
know the story or like feel particularly interested in it. If like, if the story sounds interesting and I can tell it, that's great. Um, that or maybe paleontology wars that could be tight. I don't know. Ooh, nice. Pete, I'm not going to lie. If Jeremiah and you guys approve it, I also want to do another wrestling episode because there's another rivalry, and that's Vince McMahon and Ted Turner and the Monday Night Wars. Um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but there's a lot of meat on that horse. Uh, just a peek behind the curtain for you all out there: the Montreal Screwjob wrestling episode is still currently the most successful episode we've done so far. So, uh, nice. you know, write all your emails in, letters and emails asking for more wrestling content and you might get a completely different podcast that's entirely about wrestling um yeah but as for me i don't know i i like there's one when when we were doing all the initial research to find examples of good rivalries there's one to me that is much more modern that i find interesting because i don't know enough about it and i want to know more even though it's probably there's probably a, a ton of ink that's already been spilled over it, is the Peter Thiel Gawker um, altercation basically because careful we don't want to get sued. Well, yeah, I mean that, that's the whole point of the story. Is the, the, <laughs> I know, the but guy, I'm scared. Yeah, I mean, really clearly, if we want to talk about pettiness, this guy knows from petty, and yeah. I like you know it, it just in terms of like not necessarily advancing something, but dramatically the the implications of it are pretty heavy a it advanced litigation yeah and and just also like the concept of oh if i have enough money i can do whatever i want change the news change history whatever the fuck i want to do um i find that interesting it's all you know but to ben's point it is like the exploration that is the, the fun thing right like because the first one that i wrote was dear abby and ann landers I knew very little about them going in other than they were advice columnists. Like that was literally the only thing. I didn't even know that they were identical twin sisters until I started researching them, which is what made that story, you know, so unique and weird. I I think a big important thing for these episodes too was finding moments in the story that really stand out, which is why I chose the, the scene of the wedding, their joint wedding to their husband's, where they wore the exact same dress and they invited like 300 people. It seemed like just a really unusual moment to me. And that's when I was like, oh, this story has something to it. And then they were just awful to each other. And that was like icing on the cake. But yeah, um, really, that's all we I really wanted to talk about uh, in this piece of bonus content. But one more question I have for you guys really is that this is more of a, an esoteric question about the nature of storytelling and also, uh, you know, why we this kind of story is so interesting. But um, what what do you think people find interesting about rivalries and two people that just fucking hate each other? I think because rivalries and, and, and um, conflict like this like we all know it exists uh, and drives a lot of what goes on in the world, but I don't think it's, it's not supposed to, right? Like it's, it's, it's a bit taboo. Like, so I feel like when you get to like embrace it, really talk about it out loud and, and just get onto it. Like 
it's allowing people a sort of a, a bit of a voyeur aspect of it. I think of like you're living through this a little bit and to see how far people are willing to take things. I think it just, I think it's always fascinates people to learn like how low people are willing to go and what they're willing to do to people who they care about or are important figures in their lives that we, we would never do, right? Like people do stuff like that all the time, but it's not supposed to happen. Yeah. I mean, like the, the cult of toxic positivity would have us believe that the way to solve all of our problems is to just be cool, baby, to be groovy and be nice, everybody. But like that reflects almost nothing of reality in the way that people are or the world is. But yeah, I mean, um, also, and, and not just people that they care about what people are willing to do, but also to people that they don't care about at all. You know, like to your, as you pointed out in in your story about James Brown and Joe Tex, Ben, is that like, James Brown was really willing to, even though he had the upper hand, like pretty much the whole time throughout their rivalry, he just because Joe Tex insulted him in front of a crowd of little people, he was willing to take the risk of shooting up a club and potentially killing, uh, what was it, um, Otis Redding? Sure. And anyone else who was there. Yeah, right. Yeah, one of the greatest soul singers ever. Like, yeah, or just like killing a bystander, and like he didn't give, uh, he didn't care about that at all. No, you know. Yeah, I think there's there's two elements too to it. Um, you know, when you take important figures um, in the media and in history, it does two things when you learn about the rivalries. The first is that it humanizes those figures, right? You see, oh, they're like us because everyone has a petty relationship with somebody. You're not walking around this earth not having a petty relationship with someone. And if you don't think you have one, someone else has it with you and you just don't know it. Um, and then the other thing is that it ennobles the idea of pettiness, right? The idea that, yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah, pettiness, you know, can be a driving force for me personally because look what it did for them. And what you're really seeing is people with a ton of resources and what they can do with those resources when they have a petty and toxic relationship with another person. You know, we all have them, but we don't necessarily have the resources, uh, you know, like two guys vying for the Roman Empire to, you know, take naval battleships and destroy one another. Um, so it's really interesting to see what happens when two people hate each other, but they also have the resources um, to combat one another in ways that, you know, us average schmoes just don't have. So in in one way, it's just like gossip. It's like, oh, they're just like us. And then in another way, it's just like, oh man, like look what they're able to accomplish with everything they have with their rivalry, with their beef with somebody else. Yeah. And with that, I guess that leaves us for season one of Beef with Bridget Todd. We are her team behind the scenes. Once again, I'm showrunner Pete Musto. With me is James Levine and Ben Austin. Thank you guys so much for listening to season one. We really hope we can do season two. Whether or not we have support from a larger network, it's because of how much response we've gotten from you guys saying you love the show, listening, sharing. But what's really important is to rate and review the show and then just tell everybody because that's the most likely way you will hear more of this is if you help us spread the word and get people to get into the show because we think we got something really great here and we want to do more of it. 
So thank you guys very much. We will hopefully hear from you soon. Stay petty, y'all. I'm Bridget Todd. Thanks for listening to Beef. And remember to stay petty. Who knows how far it'll take you? Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Next Chapter Podcasts.